God damn you. It is a little strange that we have such an aversion to slavery uh, because historically there have been abuses for many people, poor people, perhaps people who weren't educated, perhaps people who had no other opportunity. Working for a gentle, caring, loving master was the best of all possible worlds. Campus is a loaded minefield. There are girls everywhere. It's guaranteed that I will pass some attractive girls as I walk in between classes. If it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season, and she endures perhaps being smacked one night, and then she seeks help from the church. It would be hard for me to see how a woman could be a drill sergeant, right face, left face, keep your mouth shut, private, oh, oh, over, over men without violating their sense of manhood and her sense of womanhood. Go home. They want power, not equality. This is the highest location they can ascend to that power in the evangelical church. We are meaning makers and storytellers. And the stories we tell ourselves are the stories that shape our lives. We need each other badly or goodly. We need each other. And we keep forgetting again and again and again that we are loved. And we say, no, I'm no good. No, I messed it all up. No, I feel so guilty. No, I feel so ashamed. We need each other. In the midst of this difficult, dark, and often violent world, we need to have a community of support to which we can call all people and be a community of hope. Welcome to the opening podcast with Rick Pitcock. The opening is a podcast that deconstructs the power dynamics of religious hierarchies and opens us up to healthy relationship. This is episode one, an introduction. And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my story and my vision for the podcast, as well as discussing the format. So a little bit about myself. I'm currently a stay-at-home dad for five kids under uh, who are ages three to 11. I've got three boys and two girls. And I'm also a recording artist and a freelance writer. So I record music under the artist name Provoke Wonder. And I've got a couple, um, some singles out there and an album. And I've got an EP that I'm working on right now. And then I also write for a few different places. I've uh, written for BioLogos and the Center for Christogenesis. And then I've uh, mostly written for an organization called Baptist News Global, which is a progressive Christian news agency. And so that's pretty much what I do with my, uh, t- with my time during the day. But I haven't always been in this, in this situation. I haven't always been in this uh, position. And, but I've always had a passion for writing. So when I was ages like you know, three years old was when I first sang in church for the first time. And then uh, it was a solo called uh, of the hymn, Nothing But the Blood. And my mom actually wrote in my baby book that I was writing stories around age four or five. So bef- really before I, I even have memories and, and in the earliest uh, memories of my life, I've always had a passion for writing. 
and I've always had a passion for telling stories. Um, but however, I grew up in independent Baptist fundamentalism, and if you're unfamiliar with that, basically we thought that John MacArthur was a compromiser and that Southern Baptists were liberals. And so that was kind of the world I grew up in, a lot of rules about um, what you're allowed to watch, what you're allowed to listen to, the length of your hair, different things like that. But I remember uh, distinctly when I was about uh, six years old, I, I was pretending to direct music, and uh, an authority figure at the time uh, came into the room, and I was just waving my arms and, and just really feeling the music. And this person looked down at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm directing music. And they said, you're not supposed to do it that way. You're, you're being too emotional. You're being too expressive. You need to keep it under control and do it the right way. And, and so immediately I had this, uh, all of this wonder that I had inside of me for writing and telling stories and producing music and, and expressing myself suddenly had to become suppressed. And, and then the next year, when I, was, uh, when I was seven years old, I ended up getting physically abused by my teacher on a regular basis. And, and my teacher would, would slap me in the face and, and, and tell me to stop crying. And, and they'd tell me that they were going to keep doing it until I stopped crying. So I had this physical reinforcement to suppress my wounds or to suppress my wonder. And, and so that was kind of the world I grew up in. I, I didn't trust a lot of my authorities because, uh, you know, I was afraid of them. And, and then when I got into my teen years, my junior high and teen years, you know, this was the 1990s, so you had purity culture, left behind culture, all of that converging. And, and, and then I was also taught at home that, that I could lose my salvation basically at the drop of a hat. And so there was just this constant atmosphere of fear. And so then when I went to uh, Bob Jones University, which is a fundamentalist university and, and majored in Bible, my, my professors there, were, there were a couple Calvinist professors there, but it wasn't something that you could really talk about that much. But while I was there, I became a Calvinist. And, uh, and, and basically, the, the, the Calvinism that I believed in said that, that God chooses who goes to heaven. And so if God has chosen you, you're safe, you're going to heaven. And, and you're going to persevere. And, and, if, and if God hasn't chosen someone, then they, you know, there's, there's nothing that you could have done to persuade them anyway. And so I was in that gospel coalition desiring God, uh, you know, grace to you world for, for, for basically the next 15 years or so. My, I, I got married. My wife and I moved out to Denver, Colorado to help start a church and where I was leading worship and, and some small groups. And basically, my desire was eventually to be able to become employed full-time by the, by the church. We, were, we wanted to be there for the rest of our lives and had no intention of moving on. And so I started a, a cleaning business so that I would be able to have the flexibility to volunteer time for the church and and you know be able to uh, fit it into my schedule as I needed to and so 
things were going pretty well. I mean, it was difficult. The cleaning industry uh, is not the easiest industry to be in. It's not the highest paying industry to be in. But then about uh, six years later or so, our pastor ended up getting divorced. And with that, we had a very difficult year. I ended up being in charge of the pastoral search as well as the, the preaching, but I really did not feel called to be a pastor at that point. And I, um, but I was being accused of trying to take over. And basically, over the next few months, it became very clear that uh, we were not going to be able to be welcome there, and that we were going to have to move on with our lives. And so we ended up leaving, and with that, I lost a lot of my business. I lost a lot of customers. And and so basically for the next year, we stayed out in Colorado, and, and we're just really struggling financially. We're struggling with, you know, why we, we came out here to help start this church, and 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 now this is happening. And, and so basically... We had we had gone at that point to a uh, we tried one church downtown that wasn't a great fit, and then we ended up at a Sovereign Grace church. So at this point, I'm still very much in that Gospel Coalition Calvinist world, and and so we were there at the Sovereign Grace church, and we had a really great experience there. We we loved the people, and and they were they were really kind to us, and but but then some of the abuse accusations started coming out about. C.J. Mahaney covering up sexual abuse, and 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 people started. Uh, I started asking some questions about the whole sovereign grace thing, and I was like, you know, we just didn't have the energy to go through a whole other church uh, crisis again, if if that was where this was heading. And and with the business being where it was, we just decided perhaps that this was. God calling a chapter in our lives, and it was time to just move on. So we ended up moving back home to South Carolina, where my family's at, and we ended up joining a mega church here in town. And basically, we were there for the next seven years, and I was leading worship and uh, on a voluntary basis. And you know, for for a number of the years, we were we we're making well, a couple of years, we we're making sixteen hundred bucks a month, and and that just was not going to take care of us as as we were getting more kids, and so basically, I just I realized I, I tried to find another job somewhere, but people just weren't hiring me because of my resume, and so I ended up having to start my cleaning business again here in Greenville, and so basically, I was in the cleaning industry, uh, cleaning floors and restrooms. And and that's that's where I've been up until 2019. So so back up a few years in the middle of that, about 2015, our our conservative evangelical Calvinist church had an organization called the Ten Thousand Fathers Worship School come in, and the Ten Thousand Fathers Worship School uh, was going to be a great opportunity for me because, you know, I was going to be able to be developed in worship leading, which is what I had really had a strong desire for. And I was going to be able to really, um, you know, invest myself in into the songwriting and get evaluated with that. So I was really excited about it. And we got together in this house and, and on one evening for our first, our first meeting, and they told us that we needed to have God awareness 
and self-awareness. And I thought to myself, well, my God awareness is perfectly fine. I don't have any questions there. But I never thought about my self-awareness. And so, you know, I thought, well, that, that could be cool to, to look at. Well, then they had us write down our top 10 high points and top 10 hard times in life. And as I started writing these events down, and then I had to rate them, and then I had to, you know, we, we end up writing chapters for, for dividing them into chapters of our lives and naming the chapters. And I just started looking at this sheet of paper and started realizing I had no idea how wounded I was and how hurt I was. And I just broke down and, and began to cry. And basically, over the next year, we went through a journey into self-awareness with the 10,000 Fathers Worship School. They had us reading authors that I previously would have thought were heretics, authors like Dallas Willard or uh, Henry Nowen or N.T. Wright, or we worked our way up to Richard Rohr with Falling Upward. And I remember, you know, we were told by our church leadership that these are people that we disagree with theologically, so read with discernment. But the problem was that I was I was reading and was experiencing a, a deep spiritual healing. And you, you wouldn't think that would be a problem. You'd think that'd be a good thing. But the problem was I was experiencing a spiritual healing that was coming from a self-awareness growing out of a teaching from people whose theology I fundamentally disagreed with. And so as my self-awareness began to develop, I started having questions about my God-awareness. And some of that began to get shaky, but I, I really wanted to eventually become on staff somewhere at a church. And so as these questions came up, I began to realize, I began to recognize through my self-awareness how I was suppressing these questions, but I couldn't ask them because I had to have the right answer for a job. And so basically, after, after I graduated from 10,000 Fathers, I, and they now call themselves 10,000 Fathers and Mothers, um, but when I graduated from there, my business was really was struggling, my body was struggling, I basically ended up with shingles in my mid-30s, and uh, I, was, I realized I, I was not going to be able to do this long-term physically, this, the, the cleaning industry, and so... I was like, you know, I've, I feel called to be in, uh, to be worship leading. That's what I'm gifted at. So I'm just going to go apply for a church somewhere. And so, so I did. I, I, I started applying to churches and was getting a lot of interest from their elders. And, but then they would end up going with somebody else because of my resume, because I'd been in the cleaning industry and in voluntary or church planting roles with, with churches. So Basically, I um, that there there came a point where one church, the the pastor told me he said, all the elders unanimously stood up and said, "You're the guy. We want you to to move out this summer. We're going to fly you out two weeks from now. Um, we had all these plans set up, and and it was going to be a really well paying job, more money than we had ever seen in the cleaning industry. It was literally the dream situation. And then uh, two weeks went by, and the the pastor contacted me back and basically they had hired a, a church consultant and they had promised their church that they would find somebody who had been in the lead chair as a worship leader for the past five years and so he's like he said I, I feel really bad I'm I, the you know 
from everything we we had said before, but we just feel like we need to give our church what we promised them. And so they pulled out of the deal and and then I was just ticked. Like I was literally cleaning uh the restrooms of an abandoned uh, grocery store at the time and the toilet these toilets were just disgusting black and I'm holding this toilet brush in my hand and my body's wearing down and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea how how I'm going to survive financially, physically, any of this. And I just broke down and it was just was just ticked. And and for the next month or so, I began to die to this need of being employed by a church. And when I died to that need of having a church job, I felt free to ask the questions I had been suppressing. And so suddenly my theology really began to open up. Uh, I started asking every question that I that I had without fear. Uh, and 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 my 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 God awareness began to crumble and it really went down to basically the ground. So I ended up uh, I ended up having to no longer lead worship. And I ended up uh, going to seminary as part of my deconstruction process. I went to Northern Seminary in Chicago, and it was a really great experience. I'll talk about it some in uh, later episodes on this podcast. But um, basically, I began to uh, develop this uh, theological posture of of really approaching theology from a, a place of childlike wonder of... Um, recognizing the power dynamics of hierarchy and and being willing to uh, dismantle them. I began to realize how my theology of God had reflected these power dynamics of hierarchy. And, and so I ended up rethinking virtually every part of my theology. So come 2019, I end up, now I'm in this weird place because I'm in the cleaning industry, which I had... I had been in to uh, help me have flexibility to to volunteer at a church, but suddenly, you know, I no longer had this need to be volunteering and and working at a church. So, what do I do now? Uh, because people still weren't hiring me and taking my resume seriously. So, in in November of 2019, my wife and I talked, and we're like, you know, we got five kids now, and and she's got this degree in interior design, why don't we just switch places? And so she ended up getting a job uh, full-time as an interior designer, and then I ended up leaving my leaving the cleaning industry and became a stay-at-home dad with the intention of finishing seminary and just starting to develop the writing more intentionally because I'd always blogged, but I really wanted to, to pursue it uh, is and see where it would go. So basically, uh, December of 2019 was when I uh, officially left my my business, my cleaning business. I haven't done any cleaning since then, and I started writing more intentionally. And within a few months of that, I began getting published um, and uh, by a Baptist News Global. And now I'm not a Baptist. I get that question. Uh, a good bit, you know. What is this? What is this thing you're writing for this Baptist organization? They're they're not your typical independent Baptist or Southern Baptist organization. It's a it's a progressive Baptist, a progressive Christian 
news agency. And, and so a lot of people get offended because they're like, how is this Baptist? You're, you're writing these more progressive liberal her- heresy stuff, you know, but you're writing for a Baptist organization. This isn't Baptist. And so that, that's kind of, you know, I get a little cracked up about that because I did grow up Baptist. So I get, uh, I get the, the shock when people realize what's going on. Um, thinking they're going to get a nice little innocent Baptist article. But uh, it's been a great fit for me, and I've been able to write what I want to write, and and uh, they've not had any uh, issues with what I've written, and so that's been really good. So as far as the format of this article go, of this uh, podcast goes, basically I've got about I've got a website rickpidcock.com and I've got about 50 articles on my website. And the the vast majority has been pub- published with Baptist News Global over the past year and a half. And and they've really been helpful in helping to name the power dynamics at play in evangelicalism in the United States. And as as if you've listened to the book or read the book Jesus and John Wayne, you'll realize that Evangelicalism has has played a really deep role in the making of of United States politics and culture and society. And then if you if you go even further than that, and you start reading uh, books by liberationist theologians um, or even just other uh, you know womanist theologians, um, you'll you'll begin to realize that these these issues of of the way we see justice in the United States, they go back even further, and they've been shaped very much by evangelical and Protestant theology uh, in, in ways that have, have caused a lot of harm. And and so, basically, for uh, what I'd like to do is, um, is I'd like to read through these articles that I've written. So each episode is going to take one particular article, and I'll read through it. And then basically, so these have been these have been articles that I've written over the past year and a half. So I've had some time to reflect. I've had some time to get some feedback on these articles. And so some of the some of the articles, I would say all of them, I, I pretty much agree with still. There may be some details in them where, oh, that, you know, that that probably should have set, been said differently, or maybe maybe I've gotten some more information since then. And so I'm going to sh- basically read through the article, and then I'm going to share some of the the feedback I've gotten, some of my reflections since writing the article. And about 40 or so of the articles uh, that I've got on the site is is what I'm is what I have so far that I'll be planning on doing this with. So I've got plenty of content here that I could I could go through, and I think it's going to be really helpful. And I'm I'm not expecting these episodes to be too terribly long, uh, but we'll, we'll just kind of see, um, how, how it develops. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind as far as the, the length goes on that. So you might've noticed my intro. I have some 
quotes from some preachers there. And so I wanted to talk through some of that. So the intro starts with just that in-your-face, God damn you, uh, from R.C. Sproul, that that he gave the quote at the, the 2008 Together for the Gospel Conference. And basically, the reason I wanted to start off with that is that a lot of the, the theology that these men believe, it's this God damn you theology. And so, um, basically, it's that everyone is damned, but, and, and so God is like, God, God's basically saying, God damn you to everyone, but because, you know, on the cross where Jesus was, God the Father was telling Jesus, God damn you. And so, because the Father told Jesus, God damn you, suddenly we're now allowed to be in God's presence. A few of us are, whoever, whoever God chose. And so, but the whole thing hinges on who God is saying God damn you to. So that's like the fundamental core of the theology that I'm going to be uh, dismantling and opening, opening us up from. So, so then I have a series of quotes from a few different uh, men. John MacArthur, you know, the, the way he, he talks about slavery, he's applying this theology this goddamn you theology uh, in this violent re- retributive theology, he's applying it to the ethics of slavery. And and so you see him excusing slavery. And then we've got C.J. Mahaney, who uh, founded the Sovereign Grace Ministries. He, uh, he's got a quote there about purity culture, and uh, he's, he was really big in shaping Josh Harris with ICA stating goodbye in the 1990s. And then I've got a couple quotes from John Piper. We can't forget him uh, with his defense of complementarianism, which is basically that men and women are fundamentally different, have fundamentally different roles, and with men being the ones in charge. And then I I close that, that series of quotes uh, from the men with a quote from John MacArthur about power, and I thought that that quote was just so key to, to hear John MacArthur admitting what he believes about the pastorate, that it is an ascension to power. Like, that is just, to hear him saying those words when, when he was, uh, when, when he, this was originally when he told Beth Moore, Moore to go home, uh, but to hear him say those words, that the, that the pastorate is an ascension to power, like, it makes total sense why he told Beth Moore to go home, uh, because he doesn't want any, any women going to what he believes in us is an ascension of power in which he holds. So I wanted to have quotes by these men because um, recently one of the most popular podcasts is the uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and they've been going after Mark Driscoll, and they've been having a lot of these complementarian men on, and they're trying to distinguish these healthy, supposedly healthy complementarians from Mark Driscoll, as if Driscoll is just this extremist. And and what I'm trying to show with these quotes is is no, Dris- yeah, Driscoll was offensive, and Driscoll has been harmful. He still is. He's actually still a pastor. But it's not just Driscoll. It's, it's the mainstream characters here within this conservative evangelical Calvinist complementarian retributive justice world like these guys are all problematic. They're all setting up theologies and ethics of hierarchy and power dynamics. And so I wanted to, I think it's important for us as as hard as those quotes are to hear 
and as offensive as they are, I think we need to be reminded this is who we're dealing with here. And then I, uh, I change the music and I bring in Ilya Delio, who is a absolutely amazing theologian. She's a Franciscan nun as well as a professor and a scientist. And um, she says, we are meaning makers and storytellers, and the stories we tell ourselves are the stories that shape our lives. And again, it's important to just hear that and just have this um, this context brought to this conversation. Of this, these are stories that these guys are telling us, and their stories. This goddamn you story is a story that's shaping our lives in our posture towards slavery, towards purity culture, towards power, towards all of these ethical related issues um, and these relationships. It's this theology that is forming that, and, and the theo- theological stories that we believe are, are shaping the way we live our relationships. And then I, I close the intro with a quote by Henry Nouwen, and I just wanted to provide a, an example of a, of a spiritually healthy man talking, because this isn't an anti-man podcast. Uh, this is a a pro relationship podcast, a, a pro healthy relationship podcast, and, and Henry Nowen was was the first writer that really opened me up to healthy relationship with myself, and then with my neighbors. And so, uh, I highly recommend reading him, and I think he brings some perspective um, for us. So I see deconstruction as as not a simply a tearing down of hierarchy. I see it as that, but I see I see deconstruction as as opening us up toward healthy relationship, and and so that's ultimately uh, where these episodes are going to go. They're going to be dismantling hierarchies. They are going to be dismantling power dynamics, but they're going to be doing it with the goal of opening opening us up to a healthy relationship with all that, that there is, with, with self and with neighbor and God. And so uh, at, the, at the end of the, the podcast, I'll have a quote by uh, Lisa Sharon Harper. And she said, I, I don't think that the church has the integrity to speak any good news at all until the church actually understands the reality that it is living and has crafted bad news in public policy. It has established theological foundations for oppression that have lived throughout the times and only changed shape over the generations, but has not been repented of. And I think she does a great job there of, of just establishing this fact that, that the church needs to, we, we call the, you know, we have the gospel coalition, and gospel means good news. We talk about um, inviting people to the good news, but the church has been complicit in shaping our society toward a justice of bad news. And, and that is not simply an ethical issue, it is primarily a theological issue. And Wendell Griffin points that out uh, in, in, his, uh, in his teaching, in his, a quote that I'll have with, from him, about how if, you're, if your notion of God is wrong, then everything else becomes wrong. Your economics, your, um, your ethics, your structures, societal structures, it all flows from your theology. And so that's what we're going to be tackling on this podcast. We're going to be tackling the theology and how it 
uh, affects ethics, and then we're going to be opening us up toward a healthy relationship. So for the next three episodes, I'm going to be uh, doing a few articles, that uh, reading a few articles and discussing them that I had written prior to getting published uh, from uh, with Baptist News Global. So these were just articles that I put on my website, but I think that they're going to really help set the stage for the lens that I'm seeing through especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and the culture wars that evangelicalism is having. And, um, and so that's what we're going to be going for the next three episodes. And then after that, we'll get into the articles that were, uh, that were actually published. So speaking of culture wars, one of, the, one of the main players in the culture wars, as we all know, is, uh, is the Gospel Coalition. And the Gospel Coalition likes to present themselves as these very serious scholarly defenders of orthodoxy. So what could cause the Gospel Coalition to write an article that would include the words wedgie hangman? That's what we're going to be discussing in our next episode of The Opening. I don't think that the church has integrity to speak any good news at all until the church actually understands the reality that it is living and has crafted bad news in public policy. It has established theological foundations for oppression that have lived throughout the times and only changed shape over the generations, but has not been repented of. Bad theology always produces diminished psychology. Diminished psychology produces dysfunctional sociology. Dysfunctional sociology always produces oppressive anthropology, and then they always produce oppressive economics and ideologies. So it all flows from bad theology. Your notion of God is wrong or flawed. Your notion of self and others and power is wrong. Thank you for listening to The Opening Podcast with Rick Pitcock. The Opening is a podcast that deconstructs the power dynamics of religious hierarchies and opens us up to healthy relationship. For more information about today's episode, please check out rickpitcock.com and follow on social media at Rick Pitcock.